Blog Talk Radio. Assalamu alaikum. This is your brother Seifu Haq inviting all my brothers and sisters to go check out the Dean of movie. Now available on Vimeo On Demand. That's V-I-M-E-O On Demand for $9.99. And you can also get it on Amazon Instant Video. Inshallah, go to Google and type in Vimeo On Demand. Or you can go to Amazon Instant Video. Inshallah, the Islamic movie of the year. Please support me. Check it out. Uh, Cover Girls is coming up next, inshallah. Salaam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Thirty-one questions for the Mukminoon. Have you ever cried because of sins you have committed? Inshallah. The Shaitan ever make you feel like the past can't be repented? Do you really love Allah, or just words that you utter? Do you feel like your innocence has been drained by the gutter? Yes. Can you love sooner and still love to backbite? No. How many days you woke up Muslim and Kafir by night? Allahu If you was on trial for being Mukmin, would they have enough evidence to convict you? If you die right now, how long would it take for the Ummah to forget you? Can you answer the questions in the grave, or do you have to study for that test? Allah, I hope so. And what will be the words you utter at the moment of your last breath? What are you prepared to sacrifice for the Sunnah? Did you ever take part in spreading the vicious rumor? If so, how far did it go? How many people really know? On the day of judgment, how many mukmins you gonna host? Why are you the last to Juma and the first to leave? Is that an indication of how much you really believe? Why do you say things out of your mouth that's not in your heart? Don't you know mukmins live in the light and kufars live in the dark? How can a month go by and you miss every salat? Where is your desire? Ah, you show for the fire. Muslims and Muslims, fill the north for more hopeful dreamer. It's either heaven or hell. Mock me or the Dajel. Allah or Shaitan. Fly girl novels or ayahs of the Holy Quran. Standing on street corners at the end of the block or at the mass shed making a lot. 
You can either listen or turn your head. Because this earth is a paradise for the grateful dead. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan ar-rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Inna lilmuttaqina mafaza. Hadaika wa a'naba. Wa kawaiba atraba. Wa ka'san dihaqa. لا يسمعون فيها لغوا ولا كذابا جزاء من ربك عطاء حسابا رب السماوات والأرض وما بينهما الرحمن لا يملكون منه خطابا Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam. Brother, you heard the Dean Overdunia show? Dean Overdunia? That sounds familiar. Wait, hold on. Let me think. Dean Overdunia? Dean Overdunia? Yeah. Dean Overdunia show. Y'all heard about that joint. My man hosts that joint. Safe or hot. Mashallah. Mashallah. So you like the joint? I love it. What's your name? Noah. And what they listening to? Dean Overdunia. Assalamualaikum. Waalaikumsalam. Dean Overdunia. Dean Overdunia. Dean Overdunia. Dean Overdunia. I am Sister Aisha, and this is the Dean Show. I'm your host, Sifu Haq, and you're listening to the Dean Overdunia Show, the number one Islamic radio show in America, alhamdulillah. Before we begin, like always, we want to give praise to Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and we want to give praise to the Messenger of Allah, Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And alhamdulillah, nasta'inuhu wa nasta'firuhu, wa na'udhu billahi min shuroobi nfusana, wa min sari ali ma'lana, min yadihi lahu fala mudilala, wa min yuklu fala hadiyala, wa ishadu la ilaha illallah wa akihu la shurikala, wa ishadu anna muhammadin abduhu wa suluhu sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And my back. Before I begin, I'd like to say all praise belongs to Allah. We seek his aid. We seek his guidance. We seek his help. We seek refuge in Allah from shaitan and his minions. And we seek refuge in Allah from the footprints of shaitan that will lead us to help and not. And we ask Allah, the panel with the Ayah, to forgive us for our sins, our faults, and our errors. And whoever Allah guides, none can lead astray. And whoever Allah leads astray, none can guide. And I bear witness without any hesitation, any compulsion, that is no God but Allah. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. And I bear witness that the Prophet Muhammad ibn Abdullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is his last prophet and messenger. And I bet. As what follows, tonight's show is very important. Alhamdulillah. Tonight's show is called The Story of Adam and Eve. Lessons from the Story of Adam and Eve. Alhamdulillah. I wanted to call... The name the show tonight, the story of Adam and Eve, because I seen a Facebook post where a Muslim, a Muslim sister asked, when Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden, were they kicked out of paradise, or were they already on earth? So I wanted to have a show discussing that matter, inshallah. Why? Because it's very important that every Muslim know the basic fundamentals of Aqidah. What we believe as Muslims, inshallah. It's very important that 
we believe our belief system is intact. The basic groundwork, the basic fundamentals of it is, is intact, is in check. So after tonight's show, there won't be no mystery on if a loss of penalty island kicked Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden or were they on earth, inshallah. Inshallah, we will have the tofiq of a lost dependent with Tyler. In the beginning of creation, before anything existed, a lost dependent with Tyler was by himself. It was only a lost dependent with Tyler. And at that moment, at some moment in time, a lost dependent with Tyler decided to bring creation into existence. We should all be thankful and have great gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he decided to bring us into existence. Alhamdulillah. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decided to bring us into existence, he created angels. They are made from light. He created the jinn. They are made from fire. And he created human beings. They are made from clay. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created the heavens and the hellfire. He created paradise and hellfire. After he brought all of this into creation, human beings at this point was not created yet. It was the jinn and it was angels. And the jinn was used to be able to roam free through the earth until they start causing mischief and causing bloodshed. So we lost the penalty island. He sent angels down to fight the jinn. Basically, to get them to stop fighting and killing one another. Iblis Shaitan, he was a jinn, but he was a righteous jinn. And he was so righteous, after the war was over, Iblis Shaitan was in the company of the angels. He was in paradise with the angels, making sujood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And he was a righteous servant of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told the angels, you read in the Quran that, He's going to create a Khalifa on the earth. Someone who will uh, basically govern the entire earth. And the angels asked the lost dependent Allah, are you going to create someone who will cause mischief and shed blood when we, we celebrate the praises of you? Because the angels only had the recollection of uh, the jinn when they was on earth at first. And they was causing mischief and, and shedding blood. So they asked the Lord, well, you're going to create another creature on earth when they're going to, all they're going to do is cause mischief and shed blood. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I know what you know not. So Allah created Adam into the figure of mud. He told the angel, uh, subhanAllah, he told one of the angels to go to the earth to get dirt in order to mold uh, Adam alayhi salam. And when the angel went to the earth, the earth said to the angel, I seek refuge in the law from you disfiguring me and taking things from me. And the law subhanahu wa ta'ala answered his dua. So the angel returned back to the law. He said, I wanted to get the dirt for you to create Adam, but the earth seek refuge in you, and you gave him an answer of yes. So the law sent the angel of death to go get the dirt from earth in order to create Adam. And when the angel was about to take the dirt, the earth said to the angel, I seek refuge in the law from you disfiguring me. And the angel of death said to the earth, 
I seek refuge in the law for me disobeying him. And he took dirt from four parts of the earth. He took white dirt. He took brown dirt. He took red dirt. And I believe he took yellow dirt. And he brought it to a lost dependent island. And the lost dependent island mixed the dirt with water. And he molded into the figure of clay like a man, like pottery. You know how you make pottery? And it was hollow on the inside. It was just a figure of a man, but it was hollow on the inside. And he left it like this for an undisclosed figure of time. Now, when Adam was made into a figure of a clay in the shape of a man, he was hollow. So he was not alive. So Shaitan, he was curious, like, what is this this thing called man? Like, what is the big deal about man? Like, why, why is the Lord creating him? Shaitan was basically curious about Adam. And when he came to see Adam in the form of clay and, and like pottery and hollow, Shaitan wasn't impressed. He felt like, yeah, you know I mean, what is he? He Shaitan has made a fire so he he can flow through Adam because he's not physical. He's more of a spiritual being. Because he's in a he's in a being where he's not, you know, fire is not physical. You know, fire is basically air and um like gases. It's like it's not all physical. You know, so Shaitan was created from fire that don't smoke. So jinns can flow through things. They can walk through walls. They can fly. They they not physical creatures like human beings. We created from the earth. Our substance, our genetic makeup is different. So he used to go through Adam, all of his bodies, to see all of his weaknesses, and he used to pluck him, and he used to make the sound like the ringing sound like pottery. So he thought Adam wasn't nothing. He thought he was weak. So after some time, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he breathed his spirit into Adam, alayhi salam. And when the spirit entered Adam, it was flowing down from his head to his feet. And when it got to his nose, he sneezed. And the angels say to Adam, they told Adam, say, say alhamdulillah. So Adam said, alhamdulillah. And the angels say, alhamdulillah. And when the, angel, when, the, when the spirit got to his waist, Adam tried to walk, but he couldn't because his feet wasn't working yet. Like, you know, when your legs are numb and you can't walk because you can't move them because the blood haven't flowed through your legs. When you walk, you fall, you trip. So Allah subhanahu wa said to Adam, surely man is created in haste. He's impatient. Because Adam tried to move before his whole body was filled with the spirit. So when Adam's whole body can move, Allah told the angels, he said, bow before Adam. Now, Iblis, who was a jinn, but he was in the company of the angels because, like I said in the beginning, he was a righteous servant. He was so righteous, he was in the company of the angels. He was allowed to hang with them and be with them, but he was not created from the same source of jinn, of angels. He was created from um, fire, free of smoke, and the, and the angels were created from light. The angels don't have an option but to obey Allah, the penalty island. If Allah tells the angels to do something, they do it. They don't have thought patterns. They can't think about it. They just do what Allah commanded them to do. So Allah told the angels to bow before Adam, and they bowed. Now imagine the scenery. All the angels are bowing, making subdued to Adam, and Adam looked, and all he sees, everything in creation, all of the angels making subdued to him except this one figure. He sees Iblis standing up. So Iblis is looking at Adam, and Adam is looking at Iblis because you can't help but to notice him because he's the only one who's not making us a Jew. He's standing up. So the Lord said to Iblis, he said, 
What prevented you from bowing before Adam when I gave the commandments to do so? Iblis said, look at him. He created from mud, and I'm created from fire. Like, I'm better than him. So Allah said to Iblis, he said, it's not your place to be arrogant here. Meaning, like, this is paradise. This is Jinnah. There's no arrogance in Jinnah. This is not your place to be arrogant here. So he expelled Iblis. So Iblis said on his way out the door, he says, Yeah, Allah. Now he's making dua to Allah. He says, Yeah, Allah. Since Adam put since Adam put me in the wrong. So he's blaming Adam. Can you grant me respite until the day that they are raised up for judgment? So Allah says, You are of those who is granted respite. Meaning that maybe me it might be more than other people or other genders granted life forever. But he says you're one of those who granted respite. So Adam, so so Shaitan said to Allah, since you made me go astray, I'm going to lead Adam and all of his progeny to hellfire with me. So now Shaitan is blaming Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the predicament that he's in. That's one of the signs of a monastic. They blame everybody and everything around them from their own mistakes. They don't just chalk it up and say, you know what, I'm wrong. They blame everything and everybody else. So Allah said to Iblis, he said, surely all those who are not sincere will, 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 will enter hellfire with you. So Iblis said to Allah, I will attack them from behind them and from in front of them. And from below them and from above them, I would sit on the Sarat al-Mustaqim. He would sit on the Sarat al-Mustaqim and wait for the believers to try to lead us to hellfire. From behind us and from in front of us, from above us and from below us, from all angles, Iblis will attack you. Your weaknesses, you like to drink, he's going to attack you with alcohol. He's going to surround you with drinking buddies. You like to smoke weed, he's going to attack you with marijuana. He's going to surround you with people to smoke weed. They're going to knock on your door. They're going to call you, yo, let's smoke this blunt. Whatever your vice is, he's going to attack you with that. He's going to attack you with that. So at this point, Adam is walking through paradise, and the law is teaching him the names of everything. This is a tree. This is a rock. He's teaching him the names of everything. The difference between Adam and angels Adam had the capacity to store knowledge and memorize things. Angels did not. They only do what the law tells them to do. That's it. That's all they know. Whatever the law tells them to do, that's all they know. Right? So the the angels were impressed with Adam because he's he knew everything. He was like, well, he was teaching the angels. Like, what, what is that? He was teaching the angels different things about paradise and different things about life. So they was impressed with Adam. But Adam, alayhi salam, was a human being. The angels were angels. The angels were constantly in sujood. They're constantly making prayer to Allah. So angel, so Adam, alayhi salam, found himself being alone. Like just by himself, constantly, because the angels, that's all they do is worship Allah. Human beings, you know, we don't worship Allah 24 hours a day. We do other things. We're creatures. We, we don't have it in us. We don't have the capability in us. Angels do. That's what they do. They love doing it. That's all they want to do. So the law of the Adam was lonely. So in the in the book of the story of the prophet, Ibn Kathir said that, you know, Adam went to sleep one day. And when he woke up, 
he seen Eve. And Adam Salam said to Eve, he says, who is you? He don't know who a female is. He don't know who she is. He don't recognize what she is, but he knows she's beautiful. He knows something that she like, he likes. He said, who are you? She said, I am Eve. And he said to her, why were you created? And Eve said, was you not lonely? Did you not, was you not in need of a companion? And Adam says, yes. Alhamdulillah. So him and Eve, you know, Allah created them to be married. And they used to go through paradise, and Allah came to them and said to them, Adam and Eve, he says that you can roam through paradise anywhere you want to go and do anything you want to do except this particular tree. Don't come near this tree. So for a time, Adam and Eve was living in paradise. They was chilling. They was cool. Now, Shaitan came to Adam in the form of a serpent, telling Adam that he was his most sincere advisor. Because Adam used to walk by the tree. He used to always wonder why Allah didn't want him to take this tree. Like, what is it about this tree Allah don't want me to do? Because we human beings, we're curious. That's our nature. If you tell a human being, don't do that, don't go in this house because it's dangerous, we always curious about what's, what's so dangerous about this house. I wonder what it's about. I wonder what it is. So Adam, so, he, so Iblis used Adam's curiosity and said, you know why Allah don't want you to come near this tree? Because if you eat from the fruits of this tree, you will live forever. And you would know everything. Now, Adam didn't understand living forever because he was already living forever. He was in paradise. So when he ate from the tree, Shaitan tricked him and Eve to eat from the tree. When they ate from the tree, they started to feel emotions like shyness and embarrassment. Now they realized that they were naked. They started to feel hungry. They didn't feel none of these things before they ate from the tree. Now they feel in all these human being emotions that we feel every day. See, when they was created in paradise, Adam didn't need like these emotions. He didn't feel shy. He didn't feel embarrassed because he's in paradise. When we go to paradise, we don't need to eat. We eat for the, the shared satisfaction of it. We don't go to the bathroom. We don't defecate. We sweat whatever we eat. Whatever we eat, we, we sweat it out. So we don't we do not do the same things as we do as, as life on human beings. This is what makes us human beings, the fact that we have these emotions, the fact that we have jealousies and anger, the fact that we have to go to the bathroom, we have to submit to these things. So when Adam ate from the tree, he realized all of these emotions. Him and Eve covered themselves up with leaves, and the Lord came to Eve, to Adam and Eve, and said, why did you eat from the tree when I, when I prevented you from eating from the tree? Now, now, this is the difference between Adam and Eve, or Adam and, and Shaitan. When the Lord questioned Shaitan about why he didn't bow before Adam, Shaitan blamed Adam. He said, because look at him. He's created from mud. Like, he's dirty. And I'm created from far better than him. So he gave Allah a reason. He blamed Adam. He said Adam was nothing. When Allah actually, he asked Adam, why did you eat from the tree when I told you not to? Adam alayhi salam said, yeah, Allah, I wronged myself. And if you don't forgive me, then I will be of the wrongdoers. See, he took responsibility for his action, and he asked Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and dua to forgive him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told Adam and Eve and Shaitan, you go down to the earth. 
and this will be your dwelling place, you and your progeny for a while. And I will send my guidance to the earth. Now, whoever follows my guidance, come back to this path. This ultimate came the straight path back to Jinnah. It's like a blueprint. It's like a, a, a map back to Jinnah to find our way back to Jinnah. So whoever follows the guidance of Allah, which is follow the sunnah of the messenger of Allah, we will find our steps back to the doorsteps of Jinnah. It will lead you to paradise. It will lead you to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we'll also add them, whoever follow my blueprint, my guidance I sent down to you, then they will find themselves back to Jinnah where, 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 they, just, where, they, where they need to be, where they was born to be, where they was created to be. But whoever reject my guidance, then they will find themselves in hellfire. So we're going to stop right there. One thing about family life is this, that you cannot pick and choose who your family members are. But family is a beautiful thing and it's a burden. It's a gift and it's a curse. What do I mean by that? When people have good family members, you have a lot of good connections. Maybe your cousin can hook you up with a job. Or maybe if you don't have coffee to feed your son, I mean, coffee to get to a job, your, your uncle can help you out. If you don't have money to feed your, your daughter, maybe your aunt can help you out. So family can help you. They can, you can lean on them when you're doing, when you're doing bad because your family, y'all have that connection, that, that connection that Allah created y'all to be helping one another. So it can be a gift, and family can also be a curse, meaning that you might have an uncle that's constantly smoking crack pot, and he might call you and ask you for a favor, and since you love him and he's your family and you don't want to see him doing wrong, you help him. Even when you know that he might blow the money, but yet you still help him because he's your family. When Adam and Eve bit from the tree, they ate from the tree. Is it is a is a is an argument in the history that well Adam ate from the tree, and that's why, or Eve ate from the tree, and then Adam that no, the reality too is they both suffer the consequences because they're husband and wife. They're husband and wife, so they both. Bear the burden of the consequences. That's family. Even though you're not smoking crack, you're bearing the burden of the consequences that your uncle going to call you. Your aunt might need a place to stay. You can't leave your aunt in the street because that's your aunt. You love her. You'd rather see her in your house, and you know she might still, but you love her, and that's your family. That's family ten. That's the family ties. That's strong. That family ties that I'm speaking about today is not, is not so much. Black people are breaking and they're severing their family ties, which is haram. It's haram. The throne of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shakes when the person separates their family ties when they stop calling their grandma. They stop calling their aunt because maybe your aunt is a is a non-Muslim, so you call her kufar, so you don't want to be around her. That is haram to do. That's haram to do. On the day of judgment, when you stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is three registers set up, three of them. There's the, there's three registers, meaning it's the, the register of the rights between you and the law, is the registers between the rights of you and the, your, your, your brothers and sisters in, in, in Islam, and it's the register of your rights between you and your family members and all human beings in general. Your aunt have rights over you. Your uncle have rights over you. Your cousins have rights over you. Your next door neighbors have rights over you. 
and his rights will be called into question on the day of judgment. It is haram for you to stop speaking to your family members, no matter what they've done. The messenger of Allah saw that Solomon said that if your aunt, he said if your family cut you off, then keep family ties even if they severed them with you. Even if your family stops speaking to you, speak to them. Because it is haram to stop speaking to them. It is the commandment from the Messenger of Allah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, reverence the wounds that bore you. Have some respect for your family. You have you have no choice in the matter. That is the obligation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That you have to keep calling your aunt to see how she's doing. Keep calling your uncle to see how he's doing. Call your cousins to see how they doing. Just give them a phone call. Hey, how you doing, Jim? I just wanted to call you to see how you was doing. You're doing good. Alhamdulillah. There's nothing wrong with calling them once a week, checking up on your family. That is Islam. And anyone or any brother that tells his wife, you can't contact your family. He's telling you to do something that goes against the Quran, the Sunnah, and the Ishmael of the scholars. That's haram. No human being has that ability. They don't have that power to tell you to stop speaking to your mom. That's haram. Your family has rights over you. And can no one separate those rights? And if you do that, then the law won't answer you do I. You wonder why you can't get ahead in life. You wonder why things are not going well for you because you start speaking to your relatives. That's one of the reasons why your law won't answer you do I. Because you start speaking to your grandmother. You start speaking to your mom. You start speaking to your father. You don't have the option. That is your family. You have to bear that burden to the day of judgment. Listen, if you memorize the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give you the ability to take 10 family members out of Jahannam to go to paradise with you. Just by memorizing the book of Allah, you see the benefit of a family member? You see the benefit of a family? That if you memorize the Quran, you get to take 10 members out of your family out of the hellfire to paradise with you. That's very serious. Even if you start speaking to your grandma or your uncle on the day of judgment, they're going to want their rights. They're going to want some of your good deeds because you violated their rights. Your next door neighbor has rights over you. If you go to sleep with a full belly and your next door neighbor is hungry and crying from hunger pain, a law is going you for that. Even if you don't know, it doesn't matter if you don't know or not. That's your neighbor. You should be able to check up on them, knock on them, hey, how you doing? You good? You okay? You don't need that, right? Okay, all right, alhamdulillah. You should have a relationship neighbor. If you're not speaking to your neighbor, your neighbor is not in tune with your dean of Islam, then what do they got to say about the general overall world? What do they got to say about the community? If you're not feeding your neighbor and you're not giving them this hock, then who are you giving the hock to? Are you ashamed of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Are you ashamed of the surah of the messenger of Allah? Why are you not telling your neighbor about Islam? Why are you not telling the people on your block about Islam? Why are you not telling the people on your job about Islam? That's the question that you're going to be asked on the day of judgment. So Adam and Eve, both of them was kicked out of paradise. It doesn't make a difference who ate from the tree. Both of them bear the consequences of that because they're family. And family is the gift and the curse. Now after they was on earth, Adam and Eve, uh, you know, they procreated and they had uh, Cain and his twin sister. And they had Eve, they had Abel, um, Abel and his twin sister. 
And the laws of Pentateuch say in order to grow the earth, in order to populate the earth, you have to marry the twins to each other's sisters. Meaning that Cain would marry Abe's sister and Abe would marry Cain's sister. So Abe, so Cain said, no, I don't, I don't want to marry Abe's sister. I want to marry my own sister. I want to marry my own twin. Because he liked to have better. So the law of Pentateuch, he said to them, both of the young boys, he said, listen, give me an offering from your heart. And whatever offering that I accept, I will give you the right to choose to who you are, whoever you want to marry. Now, some Muslims are like, subhanAllah, why are you marrying your sister? Because this is the beginning of time. Adam and Eve was the only two people on earth. And from Adam and Eve, Allah said he created countless men and women. So at the beginning of time, it was permissible to marry your sister. That was cool. But as time went on and population grew, it became haram. Incest became haram. Allah mentioned it in the, in the Bible and in the Quran. So Allah gave the Adam and Eve, he gave Cain and Abel the right to choose, but they had to make a sacrifice, an offering. So Cain went in his room, in his house, in his stable, he, whatever he stayed at, and he grabbed a, a bag of beans from under his bed. And he threw them on the ground and gave that to Allah. A, he gave Allah his donkey, his mule, the very thing that he used to ride on and, trans- and, and transport a lot of his luggage on, a lot of his wood on. Like that meant a lot to him. That was all he, that, that was like the best thing he had on this. That's like having a car where you can get around and I give, I give Allah my bag of beans. Imagine giving a, I gave a bag of beans and you gave me a car. Which one is more important? Because that car, you can drive to another job, you can ride around, you can get away, you can go anywhere you want. So he gave his donkey. That was his car at the time. That was the, the thing that helped him out tremendously. And Cain gave a bag of beans. So, of course, Allah accepted Abe's offering. He said, you know what? I accept Abe's offering of his donkey. He can choose whatever he want to marry. So Cain couldn't swallow that. He says, I would never let you marry my sister. Never let you marry my sister. So the Hadith said that Adam, Cain and Abel used to go out and play. And one day Cain came back by himself and Adam said, where's your brother? Cain said to Adam, I'm not keeper. So Adam knew what he did. He knew that he murdered his brother, but he couldn't prove it. He couldn't. He couldn't bring Dalil. He couldn't prove that he did it, but he suspected it. And they said Adam cried for 60 years straight for the loss of Abe. So he used to travel to earth looking for Abe. So Cain figured that he had to hide the body. And he used to take the body all over trying to like stash it in different places. And, and But the, the smell, you can smell it. Like You can't get away from that smell of a rotten corpse. So one day Cain seen a bird bury another bird in the dirt. He said, that's what I'm going to do to cover the stench up and the hiding from, a, from, his, from his father. So he buried his, his brother, put him in the dirt, and he, uh, he hid him from, from his father. And then Adam and Eve had another set of twins that they married each other and Allah multiplied the earth. So from Adam and Eve, the entire population of the earth is multiplied from now, the Messenger of Allah said that since Cain introduced the Sunnah to murder, he was the first person in the history of mankind to ever commit murder. 
Whoever commit murder after him, he will bear the burden of that. Some of the sins of the murderer after that. And that's why, now listen to this, is very deep. If you commit murder, then whoever commit murder after you, you bear some of the burdens of the sins of the murderer that killed somebody after you because you're just like Cain. You followed the sunnah of Cain and someone else is following the sunnah of you for his murder. That's why Allah says in the Quran that if you murder the sunnah, it's like you kill all of humanity. And if you save a soul, it's like you save all of humanity. Why Allah saying that? Because Adam was one soul. But from that one soul, he had the ability to make all of humanity. He did make all of humanity. From Adam's soul, from that one body, he created every single human being on earth. And if you murder Adam, then you nobody would never be born. Think about that. If you murder Adam, then no one will never be born. So from that one soul, you can destroy the entire population of the globe. Or you can you can save the population of the globe. That's how serious murder is. It's very serious. But the lessons are Cain killed Abe because of jealousy. A lot of people are jealous of one another based on uh, a person may have a girl that he might want, a person may have a car that he might want, a person may have a status that he might want. A person may have a job that he... It's like jealousy. These things are ripping the ummah apart. And the person have to get their jealousy and their ego in check. Because the messenger of Allah so the Muslim, said that when you jealous and envy another Muslim, your good deeds is eating each other up like fire. Meaning that while you're in a state of jealousy, your good deeds is burning like fire or burn paper. You ever see set a piece of paper on fire and it burn the paper? While you jealous of another person, have envy of another Muslim, your good deeds is burning up like that. As long as you have that state of jealousy of another Muslim, your good deeds is eating each other up. That's very serious. Very serious. And we have to get that in check. Before it, get, it, it destroys us. Before it destroys us. Now the person may ask, well, why did the law subhanahu wa ta'ala create Adam and Eve and multiply the earth with those two people so that they had to marry their sister and marry their cousin? Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has his sunnah. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wanted to do. Every human being on this earth is connected. Every human being on this earth is connected. All of us, we are all brothers and sisters. Literally, we are brothers and sisters metaphorically, but our bloodline is so spread out that it won't bother us to, you know, to, to get married to one another. But our, our bloodline is like, like everybody is like six degrees of separation. You know, six degrees of separation. You know somebody that knows somebody that knows somebody. That's why Allah chooses to do it that way. It, it, it's it's well, how Allah chose to do it. There's no one can question that. No one can you know, deny that. No one can get mad at that. That's just the sunnah of Allah. And at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter. What matters is praying. Or you make a sujood to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and ask Allah to forgive you for your sins. But we want to speed it up in today's time. What we see in today's time, you see sons killing the mother. This grown man, 34-year-old man, 
in the news a few years ago, shot his mother to death with a shotgun because she kept nagging him to take out the trash. You got sons beating up their mother. I want all the Muslim brothers to understand the 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 consequences of hitting your mother. The message of Allah so that Salam said that if your Umi is angry with you, then Allah is angry with you. It doesn't matter what you did, what you said. If your mom is angry with you for justified reasons, then know that Allah is angry with you. He says that if your mother calls you while you're in a, in, in, in sajjah, in a, uh, a sunnah prayer, it's not one of the obligatory five prayers, but it's a sunnah prayer. If your mother calls you, you are obligated to salam out. Say, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah, and go see what your mother wants. That's how important your mother is to you in the sight of Allah. The Messenger of Allah so that some said that if you look your mother in the eye and say to your mom, I love you, then Allah subhanahu ta'ala will give you the reward of one hajj. So the Sahaba said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, I can say I love you to my mom a thousand times a day. And he said, You will have that reward a thousand times a day. Subhanallah. So the Umi is important. But before I be going, I want to stop right there and I want to bring Iman Hanif on the line. Alhamdulillah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. What is the topic today? Uh, uh, host, brother. Basically, I'm just talking, um, talking about the beginning of Adam and Eve and like the life lessons we can take, like you know, from that, you know, like family. Oh, I, oh, I thought you were talking about bad. I thought you were talking about bad kids or something. No, <laughs> uh, no, nah, nah, but from that, I was saying that you should respect your mom. I, I just broke that off from that. They got that from that. Yeah. Uh, Adam and Eve. Wow. Um, because it was, it was a question on Facebook today that were Adam and Eve were they when they was when the law created them on earth or were they in paradise? You know they didn't uh, know that. And I would say that's like the basic fundamental vakita that you should know these things that where they were created from. You know that's like the the essence of vakita right. that every Muslim should know where they were created from. You know. First thing before we even get into that, like I think people, man, like. You know, we we need to understand the Muslims. We need to understand that we have certain uh, established sources that we accept as being credible. You know, like, I mean, really, you know, it's true, alhamdulillah, that, you know, Islam, as far as the, uh, our, our community, and, and when we talk about our tradition, it it does differ from the other two major traditions when I'm talking about Judaism and Christianity in that we don't have what is called an established like uh priesthood. Like, you know, the rabbis have uh from going back to uh the times of like Isa alayhi salam Prophet Jesus and even before his time they had the established priesthood, which was the authority that was granted to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the two groups of scholars, with the Pharisees being primarily those who were in control of the documents 
and the scripture writing, and uh, pretty much they're the ones who established what became known as Jewish doctrine, the, do- the doctrine of Judaica, if you will. And the same thing with the Christians, which really, when we look at Christianity, I'm not talking about the Protestants, uh, which is, you know, the Baptist, Methodist, and, and the, no, we, we talk about really when Judaism, Christianity, I mean, in its infancy, when it was being established as a world power, uh, we have to look at three major churches. Uh, they are the Catholic Church, which was primarily established by the Roman, uh, the Western Roman uh, Empire, uh, you know, which is centered in Rome, in what is known as the Vatican today, in the old city of Rome. The second church being, or the other church that happened around the same time, is the Greek Orthodox Church, okay, which was uh, primarily centered, you know, in, in Greece, of course. And also what we would connect to this is the uh, the Byzantine Church, right, the Byzantine Church. Which today, which later became the the the, uh, the, the Russian um, Orthodox Church, all of that is pretty much connected in the West, uh, in the I'm sorry, in, in the Eastern part. And then we would have uh, a third, a possible third would be the uh, the Ethiopian Abyssinian Church. All right, but at any rate, what was known about what was distinguished by these churches, and in particular the Catholic Church, was a particular priesthood that was established, right? They had their head of the church, the Pope, and he was pretty much in charge of all doctrine. You know, what the Pope says Christians believe, all Christians believe, right? What he says is not Christian doctrine became not Christian doctrine, and he did this with the help of, you know, his cardinals and bishops, and they had their own established uh, priesthood, uh, what I would say Islam is different is that uh, with the, the, the Catholic Church, for example, they the only people who were allowed for years, the only people who were allowed to actually teach and even read the Bible in certain, in certain parts were priests. All right? If you were just a common Christian Catholic person, say, who lived in 15th century England or France, for example, you could not... Like, it was unknown, it was unheard of for a common person to have an, a de- religious debate with a priest. You know, you, you, this could be like capital punishment type of, of, of stuff. This was unheard of. Pretty much, they, they had the, the authority who told you this was Christian doctrine, and you followed suit. All right, the same would be for the other, similar for the other churches. Common people didn't do that. Islam differs in that uh, we don't like the 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 doctrine and so on as far as his establishment after the prophet. The prophet saw was given that type of of power where whatever you say go. Bottom line, period, point blank. We don't question what he's saying. He's completely guided by Allah directly, and and that's it. After the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. People pretty much had to have evidence to support what they're saying in order to gain them authority. And the people who had the most evidence were, of course, those who spent the most time studying, who 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 uh, acquired the, the greatest amount of knowledge and understanding, 
those and was supported by other knowledgeable people and pretty much the general opinion of the Ummah would be that this person is a person of knowledge uh, and, is, and is a person we, we would rely on, and it pretty much happened like that, so that it would become a situation where uh, oftentimes a person could be, could be a slave at one time. He could have been a slave in his origin, and if he had learned enough how to read and how to write and how to interpret Scripture uh, enough, he could become an authority in in Islam, which where is this different from the other traditions in that people, you know, uh, there there was some magic, not magic, but basically the way a cardinal would become a knowledgeable person is okay. Yeah, he goes through a certain amount of t- uh, t- teaching and training or whatever, but him learning isn't necessarily what made him uh, special. It was like the the pope putting his hand over his head and then okay now he's a, he's a he's a cardinal and because the pope put his hand over his head this is what got him uh the authority that 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 he had whereas in Islam no you really had to memorize Quran no you really had to learn hadith you really had to know how to spit uh this knowledge back you had to really uh pass tests that your teachers gave you that showed that you had uh attained a level of mastery over a particular subject or subjects, all right? Now, I would say that's the difference. However, though there, though in Islam we don't have a priesthood, it should not be believed that we don't have a chain of authority or that we don't have uh, a type of system in place that says, well, this person right here is qualified to answer questions and this person is not. And why is, why is Hanif bringing this up right now? Hanif is bringing this up because Sable Haq, our host, you, you know, you had just mentioned that people had a question. Was Adam and was in Eve, were they in paradise or were they on earth? And what happens t- uh, today is, and I'm not saying that people didn't ask these types of questions in the past. Sure, they did. But they would be answered according to what's in the Quran, according to what our scholars have agreed upon, and that would be the end of the subject. And then we live in an age now where, you know, Tom, Dick, or Harry, uh, or Fulan, he could just be, you know, a, a normal person who has not went to an Islamic sem- seminary school. He has not attended uh, 10 classes, okay, in the Arabic language or in Islamic aqidah. He did, he, didn't, he did not, he has no level of proficiency in the area of Islamic knowledge and studying and he'll pose these questions. He'll take positions. A person, Fulan, might say, I believe Adam and Eve uh, were on earth based on, maybe he'll say, Allah says, uh, you know, don't go approach that tree. He'll say, because trees are on, on earth, then obviously, you know, it must have been earth. For for example, let's say Fulan took that position. Uh, we have, uh, we live in an age where Fulan will take this position, and Fulan now has a medium through which he can spread this false belief of his. He can go on Facebook, he can go on Snapchat, he can go uh, he can go walk down the street and start talking because, heck, we live in America and they say this is a free country, we have free speech, whatever. Uh, so now he can do that and then you'll have some Muslims that will listen to Fulan and then I can bring you the statement of an authoritative scholar like Sheikh Mufti Ali Jum'ah the Mufti of the Grand Mufti of Egypt, or I have to bring you the statement of Muhammad Ta'wil, who, 
I was a grand mufti of, uh, of, of, of Morocco. I can bring you this, and you'll say to me, well, he doesn't have any more authority than I am. He's a man like me. He's not a scholar. I mean, he's, you know, he's a scholar, but it doesn't matter. And I, I can argue. I can argue with him. And then you'll have a third-party person that'll say, you know what, hey, uh, that's his position, and we should respect his position, right, because, you know, and this is false. This is false. This is nonsense. And it's part of the test of living in the age that we're in, that Fulan can just open up a, a, a translation of the Quran, go into it, like you have this, this, this one fitna of a particular group of Muslims in America, uh, which are a fitna. I don't care what anyone thinks. You don't like it. And my name is Hanif. Uh, I live in, 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 in Philadelphia. You know, address. Uh, I'm not going to give my address here because that, that's insane to do that. But if someone did have an issue, you would see, well, how can I give you my address? The community of Imam Waratadi Muhammad, for example, they are a fitna when it comes to this particular issue. And the reason they're fitness because of this issue is because they they decide to go into asking these questions, which are questions that uh, defer or that that go away from our doctrine, our core doctrine. We have to understand when we talk about core doctrine or aqidah, core doctrine for years. When you go against core doctrine, this means you're not a Muslim. This is what this is. You're towing the line of possibly not being a Muslim when you go at core doctrine. And things that are core doctrine are those things that are agreed upon that Muslims believe, right? You're a Muslim because you believe this X, Y, and Z, right? And or they'll go at uh, things that are known to be by necessity from the religion, belief things. And one of the issues is, um, uh, for example, the uh, verse in the Quran where uh, Allah Tabarakahu wa ta'ala is taught, uh, instruct the men how to deal with a wife who is uh, insubordinate, how to deal with a wife that is insubordinate, all right? And what we're talking about here is if uh, you have a husband and you have a wife and you have structure in the household in Islam, right, there's a leader. The leader is Allah Ta'ala designated the man to be the person with the responsibility. Somebody, the bottom line is in any structured uh, in any structured situation on earth, right, where two human beings are together, three or whatever, someone on the day of judgment has to be responsible for, for what's going on, all right? So in the family structure, the one who's going to be responsible for what's going on is the man. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala selected the man to be responsible on the day of judgment for what is happening in the household. Every man has to understand that Allah ta'ala has selected you. When you're in the household, he selected you to be the one that is responsible for the success or the failure of the household, of the marriage, of the children, of the wife, everything. You're going to be asked by Allah. And this is why men in Islam, we take this very seriously. It's not about ego tripping. It's not about I want power, desire power. Forget power. How about that you better have sufficient answers for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, yomu qiyamah. So you're not going to let, let your wife just, just put that in jeopardy. You're not going to let that happen. This is why we have, you know, hadith with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You know, he talks about the, the, the dua 
of the husband who has a disobedient wife isn't answered, for example. Right, these are things that motivate the man to actually step up and be men. <clears throat> and then if he has to get, you know, have to divorce a wife who isn't, uh, you know, obedient, then, then he has to do it. Right, so these are the reasons. But at at, at any rate, there is a, there's a verse in the Quran that deals with the right, if a wife is insubordinate, and uh, at the end of the verse, uh, the, the, after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala instructs the man to first uh, to do mu'idah, which is known as the mu'idah, which is to preach to the wife or to remind her or to make clear to her with clear speech the problem that he's having, okay? All right, it's clear that you did this, you did that, all right? Uh, and then, baby, I don't, I'm not feeling this, I don't like that, I don't like when you do that. Make that clear. Then the second thing, if this does not work after him sufficiently trying, right, not just saying, not just yelling at your wife first time like a, like a maniac or anything like that, uh, but uh, making things clear. If the second time it doesn't work, or whatever, if it doesn't work, then the second thing the husband has to do is he separate the bed, right? Don't have, you know, uh, physical sex, uh, sexual contact, you know, with the wife. Don't don't do a lot of, you know, the, the, the usual touching and mushy talk that she's used to. You know, don't give her that and so on uh, for a specified period of time. And then, and then if not after that, then Allah Taala says, "Wazribu uh, hina." Allah Ta'ala says that, he says, which means, and to, you know, hit her, right? That's the word of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, uh, our deen is not about, of course, hitting and, and, and beating women. That's not what it's about. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has explained here as a third uh, option to do this. Uh, under certain conditions with very strict uh, rules governing how it's done, but the point is it's there. Now, uh, you have, you'll have some of the brothers from this community, they'll take and just say, well, you know what, um, I don't think that this means to hit, you know, and what they do is they'll go into uh, Hansware Dictionary or whatever, and, and where it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala not Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, but, but it'll show where the Arabic language uh, has different meanings for, has different definitions for the word idrib, daraba, right? And one of the uh, meanings for daraba is to hit or to strike. Like, for example, if I was to strike a similitude, right? I say daraba, uh, like, like, for example, if I was to strike, if I was to bring you an example or an analogy, it's possible to say to strike an analogy, for example. Right, and it's just like in English, you know. As they, you know, I strike at this and that, you know. Oh, and then another meaning for another possible meaning is uh, to leave, right? But it means in the context to like to leave to go out to fight, to go fight a war, to fight a battle. One can leave to go do that, right? So what 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 some of the brothers in the community that do and say, you know, I don't like uh, hitting, I don't like that. Uh, so. What I'll do is I'll use this. I'll, I'll say no. Allah means to leave, you know, to leave her, right? And there was just to repeat that. It would be it's ridiculous to say that because it shows the redundancy. But Allah says first the second uh, option or the second steps to take uh, with the wife is to separate the bed. Then why would he say leave after that? And then 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 and then, then the third thing 
after leaving the third, uh, after that, you know, you get an arbitrator. Like it doesn't, it doesn't even make any sense. Okay. Uh, so that's the point, but cause leave, you know, what does it mean? Divorce, you said, you know, the leaving part is separating the bed. So, um, at any rate, uh, what, what happens is we have, uh, a particular authority governing body. We have those who have went into the Quran, went into the Hadith, went in and established principles, went into the schools of faith, established the schools of faith, goes into the schools of law in order to interpret scripture in a way that uh, is coherent with what our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam brought and, and, and taught. And we do have this chain of authority. So, like, when someone does pose a question like that, uh, is Adam and Hawa were they in paradise? Were they or were they were they on earth? What we do is we go to the books of orthodoxy and we find our answer there. And this becomes like pretty much the end of the subject matter. We don't continue on after that and say, you know, well, it's permissible for me to disagree with all of the scholars of Islam, uh, you know, and and my position just as valid as theirs. No. This is not the way it works, and um, that this is very, very important. I don't know how many times we can say this or stress it, but this is very, very important. This is not like it, you know. This is not a game. You know, this is this is serious business. On the day of judgment, that's, that's really going to happen. That judgment is really, really, really going to happen. It's not like you know. It's going to happen just like today happened and, and yesterday we were looking forward to today. No, that day is going to come. It's a, it's a real day. We will really be standing before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We will really be there naked and alone the way we came into this world, but grown. And we will really have to answer uh, for what we did, every single thing, every single word uttered, every action that took place. And we hope that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has mercy on us on that day. But what kind of mercy do you have on someone, you know, who took and just did whatever he wanted to do, destroyed their law? You know, because it's one thing if, you know, you decide you personally are not going to follow the Quran or what's in it. You know, that's one thing. But it's another thing that you decide you're going to change it and, and then you're going to preach the change you made to other people and try to put forward these ideas that were not uh, ideas that were taught by the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and this is serious business. This is very serious. Like, uh, you know, I, I had a similar issue uh, with a sister on the social media. This is where it takes place at. Uh, with a sister who's obviously been talking to a group of people who. Uh, are telling her, you know, that, you know, hadith should be disregarded when it goes against uh, verses of Quran and so on. And, you know, and the problem with all of that is that, again, it's people who have no knowledge. Really, like, I know a lot of times it just sounds cliche. We say to people, they have no knowledge. But I'm telling you, well, why? They really have no knowledge. Like, like if, if, if you want to really know what's going on, I, I say this to everybody. Go real, go to a real school. Go to a real school, a real Islamic seminary college, and learn. And you will see clearly 
that these people have no knowledge. It's not like, you know, I'm sitting here as as some just indoctrinated person. I am telling you, I am a person with an inquisitive mind. I, I look at things. I question things. I'm telling you right now. Those people from the community, from that community, W.D. Muhammad, who, who, who are doing these things, who are saying they don't have any knowledge. It's just, it's just, it just is what it is. They don't, right? Uh, like because if so, you know, go and and, and talk to the like. I, oh my goodness, I wish. Some of these people would take some of these issues and take some of these questions. Go take it to the ulama. See how long it'll last. Take that to Sheikh Hamza Yusuf, for example, who has a school out in California. Take it to him and try to bring it, 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 it. Bring these questions. See how long it will last. Take it to Dr. Sherman Jackson. Take it to Abdullah Amin Ali. Take it to him. Take it to Imam Zaid. They don't do that, though. They sit and then then the next idea and they think that amongst their little circle that they have some knowledge. But the reality is, like, uh, the issue with hadith, you might you might think you see a contradiction. <laughs> that really isn't a contradiction. How the hell would you know if it's a contradiction or not? The issue that was brought up yesterday was was, was this. Uh the sister uh, it was trying to understand why uh, Muslims don't like to have dogs in the house. They don't have the dogs in the house or pictures in the house. And the hadith where the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, hadith was known to be family authentic in uh, Bukhari and Muslims, that uh, the malaika, the angels, will not enter a house where there's a dog or pictures. Right? Paintings, we mean here, you know. And... Uh, Maybe the sins having a problem with that because there's a verse in the Quran where Allah Subhanahu wa Taala is basically giving an allowance that we can use, uh, we can eat the meat of dogs that that kill, uh, you know, uh, animals. Like in other words, you can have a hunting dog, you can train a dog to go and kill animals. And this is just saying, you know, is this an instance where you know we can disregard this hadith because of this this verse? No, that's not an instance where you can do that. Okay, right. I didn't yell like that, but what, but what I said was, we don't disregard hadith unless the hadith is, is, is the chain shows that it's fabricated. How do you disregard a hadith? How do you if, if, if there's a chance that the messenger of Allah said it? Do you know when I say messenger of Allah, what that means? That means Allah subhanahu wa taala sent this man. That's what that's what it is. That's Allah. Do you think the prophet said things that Allah taala wanted him to say? And he's still walking? Do you, do you believe that? Do you know what it means to be a messenger of Allah? It doesn't matter. This is not just any person. It's not Tom, Dick, or Harry talking or giving an opinion. This is a messenger of Allah. And what's a message from of the Lord of the worlds? But, this, but, this, but these types of things have no gravity with people anymore. It is not, it's not a weighty thing anymore. It's a disregard of hadith. If he possibly said it, you know, what do you mean disregard it? What, what do you mean? And then, right, of course, I didn't say that. Excuse me for that, for, for losing it like that, right? The point is, if people would just take the time 
to go study the science of hadith properly. How we determine if a hadith is strong or weak. If they begin, if they just look into what goes into verifying these reports, what goes into why that Imam Bukhari decided to put this in his book? Why Muslims decided to put it in his book? Why he decided what or how he came to the conclusion that this is something that the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Then we would have a greater respect for it. But when you when all you know is that it's just a book like any other book and you don't know the type of work that he took that he put forth to come through with it. You won't have the respect for it. You won't have the, and you'll say stupid things that will only be said by an ignorant person. Ignorance leads to stupid statements. That's, this is the reality. Ignorance leads to people saying stupid things because you don't know. You're like a child. You're a baby when you don't know something. But if you just took the time and will lie on the day of judgment, this will not be an excuse being ignorant. Why? Because I'm telling you right now, you can go study. Why? Because there are hadith classes going on constantly. We have a man who can teach hadith in Atlantic City. You can go learn it. So there's no way you can go on the day of judgment and say you didn't know impossible. You can get up and you can go to the movies. You can get up. You can sit there and watch television. You can go spend all your money on hours, But you can't learn how to and you open in your mouth. That's another thing if you're quiet. You're a person that don't run your mouth and you listen to the authorities in Islam. First people tell you how these are and you're just following and you're not questioning things and you're just following them. Inshallah, you'll be safe. Because you're taking the road to safety. But when you go around opening your mouth, when you go around questioning, you better go learn. You want to answer to your question, take your ass somewhere and learn. You want to answer to the question. Other than that, don't have it. Shut up and just follow. That's it. Because there's two places where these types of things will lead. And I'm talking about in this life. We're not talking about the day Milano's best, about hellfire and all of that. Here, what can happen? People will leave the religion. That's one of the things that will happen. Or the other thing is you'll fall into major sin. These are the two. These are the two. These are the two outcomes for this type of stuff. Questioning everything, you know. Because I've seen all types of questioning, and it's a problem this day and age. Um, and the easy route, brothers and sisters, just follow what is agreed upon. Follow what is agreed upon. And just look at the logic. Everything in life, you just follow. When we say that the Muslim must follow a method, we mean for your safety you do that. If you right now are this, you have decided you're going to go to California, there have been people before you who have already went to California. You're not Lois and Clark. You're not 
the, the uh, Lewis and Clark, excuse me, the, the expeditions, people who, who, you're not some of the first people who ever came to America. You're not uh, the Iroquois or Seminoles and Indians who, who, are, who are the first people to ever travel. No. Your people, you have come, you have come after a long line of people who travel to California. So it's easy for you to jump in your car and you jump on 76 East and you go east and east and east and you follow roads that have already been paid for you by people before you. So that way you can get to California in what? <laughs> Three and a half days. If you jump on a plane, you ain't the first person ever get on a damn plane. You're just doing what people before you have done so that you can get there in a matter of hours. That's the same thing with this thing. You're the first person to make salah. So you think you want to question, okay, you put your hands in this. You think people ain't thought about that before? It's already been done. Just follow suit and see the mercy in it. You're the first person to wonder why a dog's ain't in a house? What is the matter with you? This thing is, this is an old issue. Just follow. Follow your ego. Your ego ain't going to do nothing for you. Who are you? And you ain't even educated? Uh, you want to follow your ego, but you want to follow an ignorant ego? It's one thing if you're going to learn. It's one thing if you're able to take me up and you would actually put time in. And, and then you, you you want to question things. But how you, you don't even know Arabic. You don't even know anything. And you want to question stuff? What the hell is going on out here? Like, I don't understand. No, I never understand it. This is just this is but this is the age we live in, where you know people just at the end of the day it's just a lack of fear of Allah, and it's a lack of understanding the gravity of the situation we're in. And I ask you, brothers and sisters, right now, as I close this here, to forgive me for anything I may have said wrong that offended anyone. And I know I said things that were wrong and offended people. So I ask you to forgive me. And then I ask Allah Taala to forgive me. Because sometimes we get caught up in the moment and we get caught up in emotion. And this was one of those instances for me. So for now, I'm going to step back and just let's say for hot, uh, you know, just come back uh, and speak. I'm going to, you know, if you want to keep my mic open, that's fine. And we could do more of like a, a two-man thing here. You know, I don't want to just keep talking because, you know, I'll talk myself into sin. This is just a fact. So, mashallah, tabarakah ta'ala. No, sorry. Why do you say Everything you said, I agree with wholeheartedly. So we're living in a time where people just don't respect knowledge or people who study or people who go study, people who actually put the work in. A person just, they don't, they don't respect that type of methodology. You know, they, 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 they feel like they you know have what? The crazy you know part what? is. That's fine. That's, and you know what? I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with. Okay, if you're not going to respect Hanif, which is, mashallah, uh, Hanif put in three years. That, that's nothing. But can't, you're not going to respect Imam Malik? You know, Imam al-Bukhari? 
That's my problem. You know, that's my problem. I just come to tell you what they said. That's it. Until the messenger, I didn't come to tell you what they said. And then that's that's the sadness. That's a shame. But I know where it comes from. It comes from not learning about these people. It comes from speaking and not listening. So, but the crazy part is that you don't find that in no other walk of life. Like you don't find a patient questioning the doctors. Like you don't yeah. find, you know, uh, a person questioning uh, an engineer at a at a radio show. Yeah. Only Islamic question everything, even if it's for your own benefit, even if it's for your own harm, your own safety. They still question it, as if yeah. nothing can be trusted. Yeah. That's one of the problems that we have, and that's one of the things that the Sahabas didn't do. The Sahabas didn't question the message of Allah, so let's tell them. Mm. You know, mm. the people who question the message of Allah was the the the, uh, the, des- the desert Arabs, mm. better ones, who really didn't have any like they didn't have no home training. So like mm. the, they say that the Sahabas used to love when they come in town because they know that they're gonna be sick with questions. But Sahabas mm. they just listen and obey. They didn't question. They didn't. They, all it says the Lord's messenger don't bless. Boom. Out of respect mm. for the message of Allah, because they completely trust Him. Simple, they completely trust Him. Even if they didn't understand it, they try to do what He said to the best ability. Mm. But people who constantly question things instead of doing it—that's that's the problem. Because a lot of people question things just to get out of things, just to get out of not doing it. Mm-hmm. They, they question. Or well, they don't understand. If you, have a, dog, if you that... have a dog in your house and you got a dog and you don't want to get rid of your dog, that's fine. Just, just say I take it over for all of their judgment. Don't try to make an excuse to keep a dog. No. Don't do it. Because that's worse for you than just keeping a dog and having a sin. No. Questioning it, that's worse for you. Just do it. You know what? I'm wrong. You're right. And inshallah, may Allah help me. Don't question it and motivate the the hadith. Don't do that. Yep. And what I hope is, uh, you know, is that it's really people just new in their religion and that, you know, they'll learn and change and grow, I hope. But, you know, I just hope it isn't the worst, which is, you know, people people will lead to these things, lead to people losing their iman. That's what happens, and, and I've seen it. I've seen people who were Muslim who were just later not Muslim. That can happen, and uh, this is one of the paths to that. It's one of the paths to that. Like, if you really want to know, go learn. Learn properly, because when you sit with scholars, the real ulama, they will remove your doubts because they will answer the questions in a way that will suffice you. People on Facebook can't do that. They won't do that. It's not going to happen. Like those real scholars like that, they're not spending time on Facebook. They're busy doing real work. Like, you know, you'll see them post things here and there, and if you're lucky, you'll catch someone that will really take the time. But they're, they're just, it's just not where they are on Facebook like that. So, like, if you really have a lot of questions, prove that you're sincere by going and traveling to go study. Or go to your local masters and study. You, know, you don't have to go overseas. Go 
Go to Kuba Institute. Take up their classes. Go to Zaytuna in California. Uh, go to Atlantic City City with Imam Amin Muhammad. Go, go to the classes that we have periodically here at Drexel University with IGI, the Imam Ghazali Institute. Go to that. If you're, if you're listening in from another city, go to the classes there in your city. I'm sure there are classes. Take advantage of the online classes. But don't just have questions and think you're doing something and then go off. Because when you're just doing it on Facebook, I start to think you just want attention. Because the person that's sincere, they, 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 it doesn't matter if it's, they don't need the Facebook community to know what's on their mind. When you come to the Facebook community, that's completely about everyone else. That's nothing to do with really you and your, your own heart and soul in reality. Because people who are only concerned with themselves, they don't care about what other people, you know, think or of their ideas or whatever. You know, this is this is just the reality. So, you know, a whole lot of that got to be done, man. Soul searching. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to start. Uh, but, like, really, you know, man, that's the thing with some 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 of the people that out there you're dealing with. You know, they they they're just sick. But those those are a few people. You know, there's a few people I know that that. Uh, you know, they just have a they just have a sickness. I mean, they, they're part of a they, they're they're part of a deviant group or whatever, and uh, you know, they just have a sickness. Uh, and and that, that's one thing. But yeah. most people out there, they're either just listening to those people who have sickness, and they don't know any better. But what they what they should do is like if you want to know, like honestly, let's be let's just be for real. If you do it, I can understand having certain questions about hadith, especially if you're like from, if you if you were before like you were a Christian or something like that, and you're a new Muslim. Like I, I'm not gonna lie. When I first became Muslim, I I didn't heard about hadith for years. Like I like I might have been Muslim for two years before I even heard of what it, I didn't knew what a hadith was. All right, I I knew about the Quran, you know, the English translation of it. I was reading that, and I thought, you know, that that was it. You know what I mean? You, you read the Quran, you pray, you know. Boom, boom, boom. I learned my prayer from a prayer book and from what the brothers were telling me, okay, whatever. And when I first saw Hadith, and I started running into brothers who were saying, yeah, but in the Hadith says this. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then when I first saw the Hadith, I saw like that. They, they had the, uh, the nine-volume translation of Bukhari. I was like, what? It was just too much. I'm looking at nine-volume reading. it like, this is just this, this is too much. There's too much stuff. Then Muslim, I'm like, I had no idea what this was. So I understand the state of someone who's new. Like, it, it's, it can be a lot. But that's why you'll take from people, just like you would in any other walk of life, who actually went, took the time to study and have attained Degrees, bachelor's degrees, master's degrees, doctor's degrees. And the reason I say that, and I know some people are against, you know, the colleges and all of that. But let me tell you something about a graduate versus someone who isn't. Someone who isn't a graduate, you know, he's going to tell you, you know, I I know because of what this evidence says here, this and that. And that, that's all well and good. Because this is how you say it, so this is how I say that. And that's all well and good. But someone who's a graduate, not only is he saying, 
I'm telling you this because uh, this and that. But by the virtue of the fact that he has a degree, this tells you that he went through a certain amount of hours of instruction, classroom instruction, that he had an actual teacher with his instruction, that the teacher actually gave him a test, and that he actually passed his test, that he had an X amount of tests that he passed, and then he went through a final exam that he actually passed, and he passed it for proficiency that enabled, that, that satisfied a actual university that has an established doctrine, that has an established um, methodology, and they are saying, they're giving you the stamp, this person, their stamp of approval that this individual has attained a specific level of proficiency in what we teach. And I'm telling you, if you are a, a Muslim that's concerned about your deen, that's going to be somewhat important to you. That will mean something to you versus somebody, you know, who sat down and read, whether he's up in his room or he sat and read a lot in the jail cell. Because while reading is good, everybody, when they're reading, they have questions about what they're reading. I don't care who you are. You can read something and you need something to be clarified. Who are you going to ask to clarify the question that you have? Who? And who's to say that just because you're reading something that you understand the intention of the author and everything that you're reading? And this is even because the author can, can intend something in a particular sentence and you don't get what he intends because you may not be familiar with his writing. I'm going to give you an example. <clears throat> Imam Malik would, for, uh, would often say, he would often have certain expressions that would only be known to someone who studied with Malik or is familiar with the way Malik would talk. There was a, there's, there's a report in Athar where Malik was asked about placing the right hand over the left in the prayer. And Malik says, I don't know of this except for in the possibly the Sunnah prayers. I don't know if the Prophet saw him doing it in uh, the Wajib prayers. And then you have some individuals who try to argue with Ahlul Sunnah, Wal Jama'ah, like some Salafis. Hey, they don't understand. Hey, what do you mean Mali doesn't know about this? They say, but well, you got Hadith where. Uh, so they say, well, he doesn't know, you know, what he on a lot of hadith. There's hadith with the prophets always tell him, you know, right, right, right or left at times. But, however, if they had studied with someone who is knowledgeable the way Malik speaks, like Malik, Malik's scholars are, they would have known that when Malik says that, what he means is, is that that's not the way of Medina. That's not our way amongst us. That's what he means. Like when Malik says, I don't know of this. And what he means is, oh, this is not the way of the people of Medina. That's what that meant. It's an expression. And the point is, any speaker has certain expressions. Even the Prophet Sallallahu has expressions. Yeah, he would have certain things that he said, the way that he would speak. That if you're not a person that's knowledgeable or versed in that, in the way a particular person speaks, you're not going to understand the intention of the author. And this is why it's important to study with teachers. Because teachers, they study not only the books, but they, they might study a particular author. So they're knowledgeable to a particular author. So they understand all the context. They understand the intentions of the author. This is why it's very dangerous. One reason, only one reason why it's very dangerous to study books, read only books alone without the assistance of a teacher. 
And I mean, you know, I, I'm not here just preach. I'm just saying, you know, Rashad. Table Hockey, you there? No, we're going to take a quick commercial break and show off. We'll be right back. Assalamu alaikum until all of the content. Assalamu alaikum. This is your brother, Seifu Hawk, inviting all my brothers and sisters to go check out the Dane Overdugan movie. Now available on Vimeo On Demand. That's V I M E O On Demand for $9.99. And you can also get it on Amazon Instant Video. Inshallah, go to Google and type in Vimeo On Demand, or you can go to Amazon Instant Video. Inshallah, the Islamic movie of the year. Please support me. Check it out. Uh, Cover Girls is coming up next, inshallah. Salaam alaikum wa rahmatullah. We know that quality care for your most precious gift is your highest priority. Worry no more. The Children's School offers early childhood education that counts. We provide a variety of learning activities to enable all of our children to grow and learn at their own pace. We ensure that quality attention is offered to every child. The Children's School provides a stable, fun, and safe learning environment for your child. Located in the Germantown section of Philadelphia, we accept children 6 weeks through 5 years of age. We are open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. Call us today for a visit at 215-991-1767 or email us at childrenschool.thl at gmail.com. Shukran for all the brothers and sisters tuning in. We're going to sign out and get people back to their families, inshallah. You spend too much time listening to us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless your night and return us to our souls for Salat al-Fajr. Allahumma ameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.